0: Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can, too, by visiting patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up.
1: Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love, from the Golden Age to the Modern Age. Welcome back to our special back-issue edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. This is the edition where we like to take a single story, book, or character and dig in deep. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And back by popular demand from one of our previous back issue editions is Joel Rodriguez from Metal Ninja Studios. Joel,
2: how you doing, buddy? Hey, George, it's great to be back. I really had fun last time and I'm excited to get back into it. Well, I know you're excited to get back into it. You and I had discussed a little
1: bit through some messages and some texts and tweets and all that social media stuff, and you seemed super excited because you are a huge Spawn fan. And we're going to be talking about Spawn issue number one today.
2: Oh, yeah. That's actually the book that got me into comics. So I'm really ready for this one. Awesome.
1: And I want to point out just real quick before we move any forward, we did have Tony Cottrell from Advent Comics scheduled to be on this back issue edition. He was having some technical difficulties, unfortunately, and he did his best. The guy went out and bought microphones and headsets and got his internet all taken care of and everything. The guy really worked hard because he's in Maryland. He's a firefighter by trade, so he was doing all this stuff in his extra time, which can't be a whole lot for a firefighter, right? Right. The guy really went out of his way to try and get all this stuff worked out, and it just wouldn't work, unfortunately.
0: It's too bad, and they've got the, they had the winter storm up there, too, so that's just another thing. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I sent Joel a text message and said, hey, Tony's not going to be able to do the episode. Are you still interested to do the episode? And His reply was, of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of attitude we like around here. Absolutely. Well, before we jump into a couple
1: of other issues, I also want to talk a little bit about our podcast growth. Over the last six to eight weeks or so, the podcast has actually doubled in listeners. Can you believe that? Wow. That's awesome. It's just crazy how this thing is exploding. I didn't expect it. Jason, you and I did the guest spot on the Laser Time podcast, and that was a lot of fun. That's right. And I think some people discovered us through that podcast, and then also from our social media platforms. Joel, I know Metal Ninja Studios has been jumping on the Gen X grown-up bandwagon of late. Oh, yeah. It's just been exploding. It's been great. So... A lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff. Let's dive in a little bit to Spawn number
0: one, real quick. Jason, how much is this thing worth these days? This is a book that's gone up and down over the years since 1992 when it debuted. You can find a ungraded copy in near mint condition between – I've seen them between $20 to $40 right now. Okay, not too bad. Uh, now, a graded 9.8, which is near mint, that I've recently looked that up, and that's either by CGC, CBCS, or maybe some of the other ones. Some of those are going over $100, uh, wow, I've seen okay. some for 140, 1 for 119, and then if they're signed by Todd McFarlane, some of those have sold recently for in the $300 range.
1: Wow. So, a signed graded in the near mint range,
0: $300. That's pretty yes. good value. That that is pretty good. There's there's a movie, you know, being rumored with Jamie Foxx, So oh, Spawn yeah. Spawn's got some some heat. So if this movie comes out, who knows what'll uh, happen with the book?
1: Joel, do you have one of these books? I got a feeling you might have Spawn number one in your collection.
2: I actually have a few copies of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, that doesn't I, surprise me. Yeah, I have been hunting Spawn since, like I said, since I started getting into comics. I actually own every uh, numerical issue.
0: That's amazing.
2: This is actually a big year for Spawn and for McFarlane because they're going to hit 300 this year. And when they hit 300, it'll it'll be the longest running independent comic book. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So this is a big year for Spawn. But in terms of issue number one, there are a few variants that they have, um, including one you were talking about value, one being the black and white reprint that McFarlane released later on. Okay. And it was released a couple years later and it was the first story done all in black and white with this really imposing looking picture of Spawn on the front cover. I have seen one of those in my entire life
0: and I just had to buy it when I got it. Wow. Wow, I'm not familiar with that one. That's that's pretty cool.
1: Obviously, it's a book that's worth a lot to a lot of people. As you mentioned, Joel, there's a lot of new milestones that the comic is hitting this year. Let's dive right into the episode and talk all about Spawn number one. Sounds good. Let's go. As the enraged David Banner
3: dives into the sea and sinks into the blue-green depths, his features contort, change, take on the aspect of utter fury and rage. Hey there, Drawn and Panel Podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check
2: out Gen X Grown Up.
0: Your dinner cannot
2: All right, guys. So, you know that when it comes to comics, as much as we love these stories, they're nothing without the people behind them. Yeah,
1: good point.
2: (laughs) And the big name tied to this one is Todd McFarlane.
0: So, Jason, what can you tell us about Todd? Todd McFarlane never heard of him. I'm just You've kidding. You never heard of Todd McFarlane? Nice. That's the way to start off a segment. <laughs> yeah. No, Todd McFarlane. He was the writer, penciler, and inker on this book. Good lord! What else yeah, did triple did he deliver the
1: episode? Did he deliver the books as well? Or
2: I mean, seems like he's doing everything. Yeah, McFarlane delivery, home delivery. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, t- Todd is a superstar artist, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. His fame was from Amazing Spider-Man and then the adjective-less Spider-Man that he worked on for a while. Then he moved over to Image and... Started on Spawn. People, you know, kinda in my age bracket, Todd McFarlane's one of their favorite artists. I love his oh, Spider Man. Yeah. Yep. I think the spawn, I think the artwork in this first issue, I almost like it better than some of his Spider Man artwork. Joel, what do you think about McFarlane? Are you as a big of a fan as I am?
2: I am a huge McFarlane fan. Um at some points, I've been called a fanboy, so yeah, <laughs> I, I follow everything that McFarlane has done, and like I said, just the artistic side behind it, and then even the business side, Um, deciding to, with the other six members of Image, break off from the big two and go start their own companies. And he even carried that into toys when he wanted to Uh, definitely when he wanted to merchandise or uh, create merchandise for Spawn. He didn't like what the toy companies were providing for him. So he said, screw it, I'll do it myself. Well, now, so Todd is obviously huge in the comic
1: world. Everybody knows his name, but he can't be the only guy who worked on this book. Who did the color for this one,
0: Jason? There were three colorists. For Spawn, number one, you have Steve Oliff, okay. Ken Stacy and Ruben Rude. He did a lot of image work. I looked up all these guys. Ruben Rude did a lot of coloring on Spawn, but he did most of his work I saw was on Savage Dragon. Oh, okay. Steve Oliff, he did a lot of work coloring on Spawn. And the third guy, Ken Stacey, he did some image stuff. He also worked on some a lot of stuff in the eighties with Now Comics. Hmm, okay. Joel, are you familiar with these guys? Yep, mostly with their Spawn
2: stuff. Um, but they've done well, obviously right, <laughs> but they've done great work, and just the overall tone of the books that they gave is astounding. Uh, absolutely. Well, I know that these
1: books are super popular, so obviously the colorists were a big part of that. But there's still one last little artist that we usually like to talk a little bit about when we can find them, but that's the letterers. Were there multiple
0: letterers, one letterer? Who worked on this one, Jason? There was one letterer that I could find, Tom Orzechowski. This guy is amazing. I don't know if either of you have heard of him before. Oh, yeah. Joel, where are you familiar with this guy? When
2: it comes to letterers, because I am actually a letterer myself, so I follow all of these people and... Oh, okay. okay. Awesome. And when it Comes to letters, Ortsichowski is my idol as much as McFarlane is when it comes to writing and business. Wow. Okay. And one of the main reasons for that is because of his run on Spawn. He is still on Spawn to this day. He is the, really? mo- wow. he's the most consistent part of Spawn in the fact that he's done every single issue except for one. And that was because really th- they wanted to test out a backup letterer. So they let another letterer do one issue. If I remember correctly, it was number 14. And that was the only issue that he's not credited as the letterer. Out of all 268 of them? Or no, 290 at this point. Yeah. Wow.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, so I've been following him for a long time. He has got to be my favorite letterer. Man, that's crazy. I love the fact that somebody
1: actually has a letterer as a hero. That's Yes. Just <laughs> like, you know, I expect somebody to say Todd McFarlane is my idol. I wish I could do stuff as good as him, but to hear that you have a letterer as your go-to guy, your hero. That's just cool. Lettering is the invisible art. I don't think I can disagree with you because you created more comic books than I have, so
0: there we go. <laughs> After quick preparations, the dynamic duo, Batman and Robin, peer through masks at Gotham City, slipping away beneath them as they soar in the Batcopter over Gotham Harbor.
3: Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Toy Story was a slasher? What if Peter Pan required a sacrifice to get into Neverland? The Dusk County Chronicles, the first official release from Metal Ninja Studios, is set for release in mid-2019. It's a horror parody mini-anthology that takes your favorite childhood stories and dreams and twists them into nightmares. This comic is perfect for anyone who loves reliving the stories of their youth while also seeing them in a new light. Visit MetalNinjaStudios.com to read the first two stories and sign up to get notified first when the comic comes out in mid-2019.
0: Well, guys, we've talked about the creators. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get into the characters. For a short issue, we're going to talk about the hero of the book, I guess. Uh, or is he a hero? It's hard to tell in this first issue, but Al Simmons, also known as Spawn. I'm not going to call him a hero because I don't think he knows who he is in this issue. Not a clue. He doesn't have any idea what's going on. Uh, he beats some people up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does do some heroic things in the issue. And we can talk about
1: them a little bit later in the story segment. But yeah, I mean, he's a very interesting character. And if if you only know issue number one, which, of course... We all know more about Spawn than just issue number one at this point. It's been going on for how long? When was the first one published? Anybody know? 92. May of 92. Wow. Okay, let's get specific. So like <laughs> May
2: 3rd at 2.40 in the afternoon. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of can't forget that one or I'll get in trouble because it's the same month my wife was born.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, there yeah. you go.
2: <laughs> and is she a Spawn fan just out of
1: curiosity? Uh, she is, but nowhere near as much as me. Al Simmons, everybody knows. He's been around for a long time. 2002, you said, so that's what, 16 years, 17 years Na- at this point almost? 92, 20? Good night. He's been around that long? He's 26, 27 years old almost?
0: Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been around a while.
1: Wow. Well, there's no question that Image is certainly the third biggest comic book publisher going right now, right behind Marvel and DC. And Spawn is a big reason why.
0: But Spawn's not the only character in this book. I mean, there are other people that were in this book, right, Jason? That's right. We have Spawn's wife or or possibly girlfriend. I don't remember if they specify, but Wanda is in there as well. A lot of images and flashbacks of uh, Wanda, who but it's not clear that that he really is her husband. They kind of leave that vague.
1: Like they're leading you down that path but, right. You know, since you're looking at the story a lot from his viewpoint, he's not sure. What's going on with these flashbacks?
0: No, he's not at all. Yeah, he's just a woman that she remember or that he remembers. Yeah, we just see her at like the graveside and just some other quick, quick shots of of her. Now, two of the characters that stood out to me in this were the two detectives. I don't know if uh, you guys picked up on them, but Sam and Twitch were two kind of interesting characters to me in this book.
1: Now were they the two guys where one of the guys is really obese and gross looking and everything? Was that yes,
0: those exactly. Okay. That's
1: they did not come off as police detectives to me at all. They looked like drunk newspaper reporters more than they did <laughs> detectives. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. And then you were, you, I saw you put it in our list of stuff to talk about, and I went detectives. They
0: weren't detectives, were they? Yeah, they were investigating some crime scenes. Again, a lot of building blocks in this first issue. Uh, I do know that Sam and Twitch go on to be pretty integral parts of the Spawn series. Sure. And finally, we've got at the very end kind of uh, this uh, figure that – seems to be pulling the strings. Malboja, which is a demon, devil guy, very creepy looking guy. I don't know what y'all thought about him. He kind of gave me the creeps.
1: It was a little weird. Yeah, I was curious, is this the same character that John Leguizamo played in the original Spawn movie adaptation, or is that a different character?
2: That was a different character. Okay. Is that a character that's in this book, or is that a character that gets developed later? It's a character that they allude to in this book, but we don't actually see him until a bit later. Okay, Mm -hmm. because I was kind of confused on that. I don't know the names of the Spawn people as
1: well. I know I'm a comic book podcast host and I don't know everything (laughs) there is to know
2: about Spawn. I apologize. Well, if you're thinking back to the old movie with John Leguizamo, um you remember the big demon that he reported
0: to? Yeah. That's this guy. Oh, okay. All right, now I'm with you. This is the guy that spawned, you know, we find out later that this is who he kind of made a deal with to come back to Earth. But I gotcha. Yes.
1: So he that's like old Sketch himself, right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, not, not the devil, because obviously, like you said, he's a demon, but he's the one that's made the deal. He's pulling the strings and he's directing all the evil hatred, revenge or whatever the hell Spawn is going to do in the future episodes.
3: When we last saw Kent, he and young Jimmy Olsen and police commissioner Malone were crouched in the darkness in a weed growing field, waiting for the yellow mask to walk into a trap that had been set for him.
1: Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, this very week, with our show, 30, 20, 10. You may have seen NBC's TV movie, A Twist of Fate. A Nazi who became a Jew and for
3: decades (laughs) got away with it. How could you do it? Ben Cross, Veronica Hamill, Twist of
1: Fate, here Sunday. Yeah. A Nazi who became a Jew.
0: If we... Oh my God! It's the reverse Stephen Miller story. <laughs> if we hadn't
1: had, <laughs> and now I have to see it because like the scene where they show him like a Nazi who became a Jew. That little clip on the YouTube <laughs> video is like the Joker's transition.
2: Oh, he had plastic. <gasps> the story <gasps> plastic... is he had plastic surgery. So
1: what plastic surgery did you have, my <laughs> yeah, friend, to make yourself look more <laughs> Jewish? Be <laughs> specific. Just a just a Nazi trying to do the right thing. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. Gentlemen, we've talked about the creators, we've talked about the characters, but all of those things come together to form what is the most important thing in the comic book in my eyes, and that's the story. This is. For me, not being a huge Spawn fan, not really having read Spawn because I wasn't reading comic books when Spawn first came out in 92. I'd kind of fallen away from comic books at that point. But reading comic books now, and especially Spawn number 1 later on, this story really grabbed a hold of me. It started right off with something that was kind of interesting and unique. They had these three different TV commentators, like news anchors and stuff, and they were talking about the same events. But of course, because they're different styles of commentary,
0: they were different news hosts. They had completely different views on what was going on. Right. I really liked that part. Uh, it It hooked me right in, and it's just it shows that media hasn't really changed that much since then. You have you know somebody reporting the just the facts, then you have somebody kind of government conspiracy, and then somebody kind of more vain, shallow talking about what somebody was wearing and more of the entertainment aspect of it. I thought that was really. Interesting um, and telling of the time and really not much has changed
2: a little fun fact about those three you hit it spot on when you were talking about the three different personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go through and you pay attention to the conspiracy theorist. One funny little detail that they put in is every time you see him, he's working for a different news station. Yes. Oh, really? Oh, yep. I didn't pick up on that. Yes, he, yep. I
1: did notice that. <laughs> Man, it, You know, it just goes to show you the level of detail that Todd McFarlane had when he was creating the script. Yeah, it's crazy. The biggest part of the story for me, at least, or one of the more important parts of the story, not the biggest part, but. It was Spawn's deal with the devil, right? That's kind of the driving force behind where he's at, why he's coming back, all the different things that are going on with that kind of stuff. What would drive you to make that deal with the devil in order to come back? Would it be
2: revenge? Would that be the only thing that would make you want to come back? I think that's the part that has drawn me to Spawn all these years because he made one choice that he had to live with his entire life And it was for the one thing that a lot of us can deal with or can relate to. It was for his wife.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, especially... Being married now, I relate to Spawn a lot more than I did when I was a kid, and I just thought the art looked
0: cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: We all know that no matter what, Spawn is not exactly a
2: peace love hippie type of character. He's definitely seeking revenge throughout this story. Yeah, I think he's just angry because he's stuck in New York and he knows nothing about himself. The only thing that he remembers was being burned alive. Right.
1: Yeah. And what a horrific memory to have! We keep right? getting yeah. reminded
0: that his skull floating around and explosions. Oh, yeah. yeah. Per, per, that I think that would cause anybody to seek revenge if they kept, you know, replaying that in their mind. Yeah, and and
1: you wouldn't even care who you were getting revenge against, really. You'd just be like, I just want to kill everybody. My (laughs) head was on fire.
0: (laughs) What goes with the revenge that stood out to me also was that it seems like he's got a little case of amnesia as well. A little case of amnesia. (laughs) (laughs) That that may be an understatement. (laughs) You think?
1: (laughs) Like the guy doesn't know his name. He doesn't know who he is, doesn't know who he loves, doesn't know where he's supposed to be. All he knows is that he spawned and he's made some deal and he's mad as hell. And he has these flashbacks that keep throwing him off. And he's like, I don't know what this means, but God, that was painful. And man, you could feel the pain
2: in almost every single panel of this book. You really could. And I loved artistically how they show his amnesia because that's that's something that's really hard to do. How do you show what someone doesn't know? Right. And they bounce back and forth between vague images of a woman being his wife, Wanda, and transition that to something horrific like his death or a demon or a skull or something like that. So bouncing back and forth, trying to figure out what these images mean. I thought it was a really powerful thing. Another thing that we can talk about when it comes to the planning ahead that McFarland did with this story is there are two characters that we mentioned earlier, Sam and Twitch. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. the two fake detectives. Yeah, they're not real detectives. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the, yep, the two wannabe detectives. So <laughs> one of the biggest things that I noticed about these characters, first is their relationship, where Sam, the bigger guy, right, is mm-hmm. kind of the boss. And Twitch, the smaller guy, is very passive. Like, yes, sir, that's exactly right, sir. But he kind of takes little jabs at his boss, like really, you think you're the boss, but I'm in charge. And you f- you learn sure. mm-hmm. you learn later in the series that he actually is because of his nickname. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Later on in the series, uh, you actually learn that his name is Twitch because he never twitches. He is the best sharpshooter. Well, like it's an opposite nickname. Exactly. He's the best sharpshooter in the force. So that's kind of the thing there. But that's a little bit of foreshadowing. But the biggest sense of foreshadowing comes in the case they're investigating because it's about someone being thrown out of a forty. third i think 43rd floor window with their heart shoved in their mouth oh right yeah that's yeah i remember that okay yeah and just the way that they play it off is you're led to believe that it's spawn because all while Mm -hmm. this is all while this is going on spawn is brutalizing and hurting people and these right These detectives
0: are trying to figure out who's killing these people. Yeah, that's what I thought that it was spawn. Maybe do it, you know, had something to do with it. Exactly. And just the foreshadowing
2: and the thought that went into this, because that's what they wanted you to think. But then you find out later on in the series that it actually isn't going back to what we were talking about earlier with the movie. It was Violator, who is John Luiziamo's character. And I thought it was very smart that
1: they book ended the issue with the TV commentators that we talked about at the beginning. You have the TV commentators starting off the story and then you have them finishing out the story. I thought that was a very smart play on Tom McFarlane's part. And I liked how that each one of the commentators had that same slant that they had at the original beginning part of the story. I I don't know how he came to that, but I thought that was
0: very intelligent to do it that way. From what I gathered in the book, Joel, is that the commentators at the beginning and then later in the book, there's about a five-year gap in there, correct, from where, you know, Al Simmons had died and then as he's running around the streets. Exactly. The first
2: time you see them in the beginning of the book, it's actually just after Al Simmons dies, and they're talking about the death of a hero. and Right. Um, the conspiracy theorist is saying it was the government's fault, which. Um, right, of course. That's what he's going <laughs> to yeah. say. Yeah. And, and then the uh, Entertainment Weekly type of guy was talking about Wanda and how beautiful she looked at the wedding and things mm-hmm. like that. So right. then. You go to the end of the book and they're talking about modern day stuff being the bloodbath, this mysterious vigilante with a cape. And Mm -hmm. so it's a five year difference to show using these people um, going back to how smart this is using these people to fill in the blanks without making it seem like they're throwing a bunch of information at you.
1: Yeah, no, you could have just read the first time that the TV commentators came in and the last time, and you would have understood the story without having to read all the stuff in between, but it would have made you want to go back and read everything that was between those two segments. It was brilliant. I found that it was engaging. I don't know if they continue with that the series because I've purposefully not read any other issues until we finish this podcast recording because I want it to still be new and fresh to me. And I think that Todd McFarlane is a genius. I didn't understand how much of a genius he was until I read this issue, but hats off to him and his creative team at Image for Spawn. This was just brilliant. I really love that we
0: read this book for this episode. Yeah, I've heard about Spawn for years. I saw that movie, but reading this issue... Issue. I'm, I'm with you, George. I'm going to go back and start reading issue two, three, four, and so on. Eh, I thought it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fanboy.
1: Sometime later in the skies above the city, Wonder Woman seeks out the leader of the Psy, women.
2: Psy women's command ship directly ahead. Robot plane slow to rendezvous with ship.
3: Huckleberry Comics is a publisher working on creating the most innovative and unique graphic novels, one-shots, manga, tabletop games, and even eventually video games. Right now, we're working on getting ready to launch Dream State Radicals, a project which has taken 18 artists over two years to create. It's a gritty, sci-fi thriller in the vein of Dusak's Blade Runner Detroit, and so many more. It's an awesome graphic novel with tons of free concept art and will be launching on Indiegogo early 2019. Follow us on Twitter at HuckleberryDSR, like us on Facebook, or check out our website to learn more.
1: If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at And that will wrap it up for this back-issue edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. Before we head out, Joel, I want to give you a chance to tell all the wonderful listeners there exactly where to find everything Metal Ninja Studios.
2: Thanks, George. Be sure to check us out at MetalNinjaStudios.com forward slash Gen X Grown Up, where you can download a free Ashcan preview of our upcoming comic, The Dust County Chronicles. Perfect. And thank you again for joining us and saving our
1: bacon. We had a guest who was scheduled, but he had a lot of technical difficulties, and thank you for jumping
2: in and taking care of us today. of course thanks for having me and anytime you want to talk spawn
0: you know who to call <laughs> absolutely jason thank you as well for being here uh, my pleasure and we will see you guys next time Goodbye. see you guys later
3: this podcast is an affiliate of the gww radio network Visit Geeks Worldwide at TheGWW.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more.
0: Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly